Welcome to the Love or Leave the Law podcast with your hosts, Adam Ouellette and Casey Berman. Hey there, welcome to the Love or Leave the Law podcast. This is Adam Ouellette, one of your hosts. We are excited to have Casey with us as usual, but we have a special guest today. And her name is Elena Deutsch, and she is a really cool lady. I got a chance to speak with her last week and talk with her, and I want to introduce her and then jump in and ask her some serious pointed questions, put her on the spot. No, not at all. We're going to have fun in this episode. We're talking today about leaving the law and, and how to leave. And Elena specializes in helping big law women leave the law. She can help other people too, but this is her real specialty. She's going to help you quite a bit if you're on the fence about leaving and, and if you're especially a woman in big law. So Elena is the founder of Will, Women Interested in Leaving Big Law. She helps attorneys become clear on what they want next kick inner naysayers out of the driver's seat, I like that, and take action on their dreams. Her work has been featured in The American Lawyer, Bloomberg Big Law Business, Above the Law, and more. You can find her at womeninterestedinleavinglaw.com. So welcome, Elena. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Casey. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Super excited. Great to see you, Elena. Well, and we're rebooting the podcast, and we're very happy and excited to have you on this reboot because we understand how difficult it is to be a lawyer. And we're going to talk about your dad's path today some. I'm really interested in hearing more about him and, and his life and how it impacted you. Because clearly, you didn't go to law school and become a lawyer because you saw him and what he was going through. And I really want to delve into that in some depth today. So let's start with that. I think that really is a pointed question in terms of why you made some of the decisions in your life. Let's hear more about how you grew up and your dad and, and all that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important because I think it really does address the question of why am I working with women lawyers when I am not one? <laughs> so when my dad was a child of the Depression, right, he was a, born in 1927, he went on to become a lawyer and had his own criminal defense practice in New York City on the Upper West Side. And he loved being a lawyer, loved it. I think the prestige, the money, which I'll get back to, and the status was was very gratifying to him, but he loved the work. He loved and really lived by the concept that everyone has the right to a fair trial. So we would have mock trials around the dinner table many times a week and get turns playing the different roles. And I always thought I would be a lawyer. It was one night he didn't come home. I was a teenager by then. He had been arrested hmm. because he embezzled money from a client and was arrested and disbarred and almost went to prison. So the idea of being a lawyer no longer was so appealing to me. And I think this is sort of where my mom comes into this story. My mom, during that time that my dad was kind of losing his way, she found her way in social work and therapy and metaphysical work and studying with spiritual teachers and uh, their marriage did not survive my dad's transgression. And, and she went on to kind of really live her best life. So how old were you when all this was going on with uh, like, your dad? It was and the, like and 14 that. through 16. Wow. So pretty formative years. Formative years. And then when I graduated from college, the kind of stock phrase I heard was like, well, go, are you going to go to law school? If you don't know what you really want to do, you can do anything with a law degree. And I just felt like, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out on my own. And for a different path. Both my parents are deceased now. And I feel, I really feel like both their spirits, my dad 
what he did in some ways nudged me towards this. And once I became a coach, I always was attracting lawyers who were unhappy in their work. And then my mom on her path is definitely is definitely with me and guides me a lot. Nice. So when you were thinking about going to college and all that, what did you plan for yourself as a career back then? <laughs> I had no plan. I no? had no career plan. I studied art history because I liked it. I went to a liberal arts college. I went to University of Michigan and did a liberal arts degree because I just wanted to get a well-rounded education. I went into nonprofit work after college and found my way then into public health. And from that, found my way into coaching. Nice. And it just, it's, and I say this to lawyers, I really feel like I use everything, everything from my past, my family, my story, my education. I use all of it all the time in my business and my life now. Nothing is wasted. Beautiful. So you say in 2016, you had a milestone birthday and you had a wake-up call from the universe that led you to what you're doing now. Tell us about that. I'm really excited to hear about this milestone. Okay, great. Thanks. I'm excited to to share it. So I was in, I left uh, my nonprofit work and I was in a business partnership with, with my best friend. And he and I uh, had, were doing consulting and coaching and leadership development, largely in healthcare. And also I was coaching in law firms and I was coaching some of the biggest firms in New York, you know, being a, on the you know 47th floor, spectacular views of the New York harbors, the amazing art on the walls. You guys who are in big law, you, you know that. I turned 50 and my business partner wanted to turn our business more into healthcare leadership stuff. And I loved helping the lawyers. And I had this client who she had this breakthrough. I asked her, do you want to make partner? What are your goals? And mm-hmm. she said, no, I don't. They would whisper it to me. They would like <laughs> lean in and like, literally like make sure nobody was nearby. We'd be in a private conference room, right? But they would drop their voice. And so I helped her figure out that what she really wanted to do was go in-house to a startup that had the benefit of unlimited vacation days. And I remember when she got that specific, like I had chills all over my body and we were sitting outside in a cafe at that point um, in the sunshine. And within three months, she had a role at a startup and I was on vacation around that time. I was on vacation with my family in Cape Cod and I was um, journaling every morning. I would wake up and, and the, I, it was like having conversations with imaginary young women lawyers who felt stuck and trapped and unhappy. And the words women interested in leaving law came out of my pen. And that was, it was my 50th birthday. My mom had died a couple of years earlier and I it really felt like my own wake up call. So I came back from the vacation and I told my business partner I wanted to pivot and I ended up leaving my business partnership and we've maintained our friendship. But I, that was really when Will was born. Nice. That's kind of similar to what happened to me when I figured out that you know I needed to take my expertise and help lawyers. I was journaling. I was sitting on my patio in Fort Lauderdale and I had been doing work on what's my purpose? Because I knew staying in the law long-term wasn't going to be my purpose. You know, I had been probably, I think it was about 14 years at the time, a lawyer. And I was sitting there and, and I had been reading all these books on life purpose. And so I was journaling out these answers to these questions that I had found online. You know, the books were very helpful, but I started journaling and it hit me like a, a brick, like it did you. You know, it just, and it felt 
so unbelievable. And this is one of the things I, I like to tell people that we help at Leave Law Behind. It When you figure out what's on the other side of the law, it's like you're on a high. For me, it was two weeks and I don't do drugs or drink. I mean, I don't even drink anymore. I was on this high for two weeks because it was like, this is exactly what I've been searching for. This is what I've been wanting to find yes. the answer to. Yes. And so you, our paths are very similar with yeah. that in terms of this awakening and figuring out, okay, I get it. This is what I got to move towards. And this is what I've got to help because lawyers are in a rough place. You know, yes. we have been for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that high and that alignment that you're talking about, like that's what now we get to do to helping other people find that, right? And experience that their own high. And like one, one member of, well, just a brief story, like through the process, right? It doesn't happen by accident. Like you were journaling, you were reading books about it. You were changing your mindset. You were taking action by journaling and you got, you got that clarity through taking action. Right. So one of the members of Will, I take people similar to you guys, right? Through a process, we do mindset work. We, they open up to new possibilities. And then we start to explore what else might be right for you. And she got super clear. She wanted to go back to grad school for mechanical engineering. And she's on her path that she has a vision of becoming a strategist for Formula One racing, wow. which like... <laughs> <laughs> Who even knew? Like, I can't make this up for anyone. You, it, but I can. We can hold the process for them, so they have their own amazing insight. And she's receiving acceptances now, nice. and she's got been accepted to some of her top schools already. Well, and the other thing that people don't understand is that when you find that next step and that path, and you're doing that work, it's not work anymore, right? I mean, the people that we've helped, they say all the time, "If I won the lottery." I'd still do what I'm doing because my heart is in it and it's what my calling is. And that's clearly what I was looking for. What's my calling, you know, and what am I blocking myself off from hearing in terms of that calling? Because I think a lot of us that are lawyers and that don't choose to make that first step to, to look at, you know, will or LLB or whatever, it's, it's almost like we block ourselves from happiness. And I want to give everybody that's listening today permission to take that first step because there really yes. isn't there, there there's nothing stopping you other than yourself right you feel that same way agree agree a thousand percent i see i see casey like nodding and smiling also like a thousand percent it's because because if you are as hardworking and smart and capable as you are to go to law school and work in a big firm or to even transition to in-house or whatever then you can do anything it's that permission. It's that feeling like you don't have permission. It's fear, right? It's and I know you guys help your members, help your clients address that fear. And the other night I was doing a, a special, I do special end of year sprint with Will members. And we were looking at these two Hebrew words of, of fear. And one is pachad, which is that down the rabbit hole of the what ifs and all the negatives and all the fear. And the other one is, is called yirah. And it's that expansive kind of butterflies in your stomach mm. when you're when you're taking that step and it feels scary but good. Yeah. You know, so often fear is what what holds people back, but maybe maybe the pachad can become the yura. Mm. And I think it does with, with again with with action, with taking a step. That's right. Casey, what do you have to add to that? I know you got something here. Come on. You haven't said no, anything. I just no, I was <laughs> I'm just listening, just listening. I, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, Lena, the 
for people who may say, well, I didn't have that experience when I was younger, you know, with your father, as bad as it was, it was a great course correction for you. You know, I went in, I've got 10 years as a lawyer. I've got a mortgage. I've got college coming up for my kids. You know, I've got all this. Like, Elena, I'm happy you, I'm happy the universe told you where to go, but I'm as confused as ever. You know, I know there are probably big law folks, all types of lawyers who, who say, we see them, I know you do. And uh, the golden handcuffs, there, there's a lot of things that, that can hold them back. And it is that shift from Pachad to Yorah, where it's this idea of, of really reframing what your perspective is on it. And so they can look and that whispering in the big conference room, that anxiety in the stomach, right, is the universe course correcting them. And so it's a question of whether they can listen. I mean, Elena, you know, with your experience, you easily could have ignored that and said, well, I should still go to law school. I should still do it. Um, But you didn't. You were aware enough at that time to pursue another path or had the model of your mother there. And so they have the model. They have the model of you in the boardroom listening to their whispering. And, and they have the model of this podcast and people saying. So I just want to say that for folks, particularly those in big law with a lot of expenses, the golden handcuffs, who think they can't do anything else or don't think the universe is talking to them, it's speaking to them right now. And, and yeah, feel, the, I, feel the pain in your gut, right? I, I love that. And I think what, what people, you know, People have this vision of something where they're free, right? Of of writing the the goodbye email to blasting it out, right? <laughs> of having the email taken off their phone or their computer equipment removed from their house, right? They they long for that. And that's the big relief. But what I one of the things I've started sharing with members of Will is this concept of micro relief, of taking these little tiny steps. And it starts with it starts with curiosity. And it starts with shifting that I can't, I'll never be able to, I've got the mortgage, I've got the kids, the I can't, I'll never. And, and noticing our language and just like, ooh, but what if, what if instead of down, instead of the negative, what if up? What if I took that class you know, online about creative writing just because it would feel good, just because it would feel, be fun. And not because I'm going to become a best-selling novelist yeah. tomorrow, but because so many people, I mean, the number one reason, or I hear maybe one of the top reasons is like people are longing for more meaning and fulfillment in right. their work. That's right. The two things come to me, you're absolutely right. Two things come to me is it's not, I can't, it's, I won't. Hmm. So they just won't do it. Yes. Um, and then, and Listen, I have two children. I live in San Francisco. There's a lot of ways to not to do the won't. So I get it. But carve out five minutes here. It's the baby steps like you're talking about. And then for me, one other thing, and and Adam David R. Hawkins, Adam introduced me, David R. Hawkins, who I've just been devouring his books and videos. And you know, one thing he talks about is people want the glamour of entrepreneurism. They want the glamour of leaving the law. Like you said, they want the glamour of being able to fire off the I've left the law email and everything that comes with it, but they're not doing the baby steps that lead yeah. up to it. And the baby steps are actually easier and are, are right in front of them. Yeah. So like and I mean, I think what we're talking about is is a radical notion in our society of 100% personal responsibility, right? Yeah. And, nobody wants to do it. Not even close. You know? Well, I mean, yeah. I think there are a lot of people who want to do it, but but it's it hasn't been talked about and it's not a concept and we live in a culture of a lot of blame and the opposite watching each other and finger pointing and what's that there's that finger pointing right when you point your finger at someone actually three fingers are pointing back at you so it's this i think you know casey you're saying it's not i can't it's saying i won't and it's 
So that's, that's that responsibility. And another flip we could kind of, it's like a multi-sided dice you could roll is, is instead of, I can't say I can, I, I am capable. What's one step I can take? Yeah. And one of the things we, we tell people at Leave Law Behind is that you've done so much with your life. You know, look at all of the steps you've taken from agreeing to go to law school, getting into law school, graduating, taking the bar, passing it. You know, I know people that never passed the bar after trying five times and, and getting that first job out of the law and then maybe having two, three, four or five different jobs in the law. Look at all that you've done. How could you ever think right now that you couldn't find your way out of the law, especially with help from, you know, the master coaches. We're, we're talking to the two master coaches here today, kids. I mean, you know, if you, if you don't know what to do, here's two people that can tell you, show you, you know, take you by the hand and lead you to the golden pathway to leave. So it is a decision. And in every decision we make, we create our reality, we create our future. So we just have yes. to take that first step when it's dark and, you know, uh, Martin Luther King said, take the first step and the light appears and that next step shows its face to you. And that, and that baby step, that Kaizen that uh, the Japanese follow where it's, you know, small little incremental steps make huge difference. It's just taking that first step. So let's talk about some of the challenges that women okay. lawyers face in big law, because it, it's a tremendous list and I've done the research on it even before you, you and I talked to Lane a couple of years ago, yeah. there's tremendous challenges. So tell us about some of the main challenges that you're finding with, with your clients. There are many, right? They, they, and like you were talking about how come people aren't taking this step? I think there is this narrative that we all have about our lives, right? And there's, there is a big law narrative and many of the women I work with have either left big law already or in-house. So it's, it's the original concept was just big law, but it's definitely broadened since then. So there's the concept of like the narrative of being a lawyer, quote unquote. And then, then there's the not knowing what else you could do with your law degree, not knowing what else you could do. Uh, so I think those are some of the biggest challenges. There's, there's definitely the money is a challenge. And then there's, there's not feeling like they have enough time to do it. And I think especially right now we're recording this during COVID over a million women have left the workforce and are what I'm calling accidental stay at home moms, or if they're in law right now and they're keeping their job and they're trying to school the kids from home and bill big law hours, um, they're, they're extra crunched. So I would say like, not, those are some of the biggest challenges. And I think underneath it all is, um, for women, especially, there's a fear of letting other people down and whether it's their team or the, the partner who's mentored them and all the people who've invested in them and they don't, they don't want to let people down. So tell us some of the solutions that are possible for these challenges. What comes to I, mind? I mean, I think we've already discussed some of the key solutions, which is, which is shifting your beliefs is so I share a tool with all members. It's really foundational. It's based in cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm happy to share it and hope it's helpful to anyone listening. I call it TFAR, T-F-A-R. So there's the thought, right? There's the thought like I can't leave my team or I, I don't know what we I do without this money, right? And then that leads to a feeling in the body of feeling stuck, of feeling action, of feeling you know, anxious, 
of feeling trapped. And then what action does that lead to? The A, TFAR stands for action. Then they, there's action is taking a step or not taking a step. And then R is the result. So when the thought is, I don't know what else I would do, that's not a thought that makes you feel good in your body and leads to action, new results. But if the thought is, I'm smart and capable and I can figure out <laughs> what else to do, or I can get some help to figure out what else to do, ah, now we have a little more breath, a little more expansion. Oh, maybe I'll call Casey. Maybe I'll call Elena. Maybe I'll read that book. Maybe I'll listen to that podcast. So then those can lead to new, new results. And really at the foundation, that's, we, have to, we have to change our thoughts yeah. and take imperfect action. Some action, even if it's not perfect, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect. If you take some step in the right direction, it can help. Anything that helps you feel better. And then one of the things I teach is that, you know, if you have a negative thought, which they're all fear-based or love-based, right? There's only two emotions in, in, the, in our universe fear and love. And so if you're having fear-based thoughts, what I say is flip it around 180 degrees and look at what the polar opposite of, of that emotion is and have some gratitude about where you're at. You know, there's so many things you can think about that are positive, but like you said, Elena, go listen to something, read something, shift your focus, shift your mindset, and it can help you to take that next step in, in the right direction for sure. One thing I want to add to it is for people who are listening to this is there are so many jobs in the non-law alternative world out there. First of all, there's tons of jobs. So the first step, uh, we do the same, Elena. The first step is mindset shift, overcoming your fears and all that. And, and I think folks do it or they begin to do it in parallel with other elements of, of moving forward to find a, an alternative job. But there are so many roles out there. I mean, hundreds, hundreds of jobs. I and mean, I'm not saying forest ranger, chemical engineer, or astronaut. I mean, in operations, in marketing, in human resources, and talent, and compliance, and product policy, you name it. And what's great about it is a lot of them call for the skills that attorneys have, the issue spotting, persuasive writing, being authentic, hard work, telling a story. And to generalize a bit, a lot of them call for the skills that the feminine element has that that women are able to do, whether it's more empathy, whether it's thinking a big picture, whether it's not solutioning right away, but actually taking in all. And I know I'm generalizing there, but I just want yeah. everyone to know, and I particularly want I want women lawyers to know that not only is there something on the other side, but there are all of these alternative non-law jobs, the requirements of which not only are a fit for your skills, but are crying out for your skills. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I remember something I heard you say a few years ago, Casey, I think when we did, we did a presentation together in San Francisco at the Bar Association. And it's like, you're doing this work on parallel tracks, right? You don't, you don't, you don't, I mean, some people quit their jobs right away, right? But you start doing this work, you start doing the mindset work. I do mindset work every day. <laughs> right? I mean, it's never, it's never going to be gone. I do money mindset work all the time to increase my capacity to receive and grow my business. Cause I've got, you know, some of my old money stories from my dad, no doubt. I do a lot of work to let things go and shift my mindset of what's possible. So I, I love like that you're, you, you not only see all these jobs, they're, they're real. You don't need more school. You don't need a graduate degree. I love that you talked about empathy and harmony. 
Um, one of the things we do with all will members, one of the first things is their strengths finder assessment. And if you're interested, you can put this in the show notes, the Gallup Clifton strengths assessment, people can go and do it on their own and really learn your top five natural gifts and talents. And yeah. when a will member has harmony and empathy, often in her top five, and she's been in litigation and very unhappy, <laughs> we kind of have some clues as to why. You bring up some great points, and I one I wanted what what I thought was the soft skills. I know attorneys say, "Wait a minute, you mean that just being nice and charming, I can get paid for?" Yeah, exactly. You mean that if I can just tell them what the issue is and then map out a few slides, I can get paid good? Yeah. Welcome to management consulting. Welcome to strategy consulting. Welcome to account management. And the other thing is you mentioned about coaching. If you're a sports fan, LeBron, Steph Curry, you name it, have coaches. They have shooting coaches. They Tiger still have Woods, their coaches. All of them. Tiger, uh, Beyonce, everybody. Mm -hmm. Beyonce has a voice coach. Tiger Woods has a coach. I mean, they have reached the mountaintop, these folks, in whatever, whether it's sports or entertainment or wherever you want to go, and the top people have it. And so to come and get coaching with Elena, to come to leave law behind, I think one of the issues in the mindset is attorneys think they know everything, or if they know they don't know everything, they want the image to be that asking for help is something that they don't do. And I just want to get across now that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and it lets you grow and be your best. Yeah. And I, I love yeah. Elena, how you said that you're doing this work all the time. You're not all a finished product. Oh my God. Never, never. I mean, I think that's, I think that's is one of the traps lawyers find themselves in is like, I'm smart and I'm smart. I should be able to figure this out yeah, on my own. On my own. Mm -hmm. And then they stay in that loop and it ends up, they just end up beating themselves up because why haven't I been able to figure this out on my own? Well, you have no time. Well, not that you don't have any time. I don't fully believe that, but you have limited time. Uh, you're exhausted. You're depleted, and and you don't know how. So, like, I don't. I don't do my own plumbing. Exactly. <laughs> I don't cut my own hair. I don't. You know, there's a lot. And like I said, I hire coaches for so many things. When I had a retreat, I hired an event coach because I needed to learn how to do that. I wanted to share one other story if I may, about like what you were saying about, you know, your skills, you can get paid for your strengths and skills. So one of the members of Will, who she, she'd been working for a while, she left or she left her job and she started working for the Biden campaign and she was in Michigan and she, um, she was, you know, went into the other room where they had food for, for the staff and she's one of her, she has empathy and harmony in her top five. And she started engaging in a conversation with the woman who was doing the food. Hmm. And the woman shared her story that both she and her husband had had COVID in the spring and they were in different hospitals and her husband died. And, you know, hmm. Laura was there to hear this woman's story. And now she might have an opportunity to work in the Biden administration, bringing her empathy and her harmony to help heal people's lives right now. I'm like, we need that in our country right now. For sure. So tell us who your ideal client customer is for Will. Give us some background on that. An ideal client, and I call them members because we, I think the word client can have some loaded language for lawyers. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and because we're building a community also, it's one of the key pillars of Will. 
And so it's a woman who, who um, has been wanting to make this change for a long time and wants help to figure it out and is ready to take that step and step into the yura, that expansive good fear of giving it a go and betting on herself. And she wants, she wants work that's more meaningful. She wants to feel more fulfilled. She wants to wake up and go to work with a smile on her face. She wants to be go. more present with her family and not snap at her kids and not have her husband or partner listen to the tale of woe and I should do this and why can't I over and over again and to get out of that loop. She wants to take care of herself and her body and her spirit and nice. bring the best of herself to the world. One of the things I like to alert people that are ready on that path to leave is that, you know, shit runs downhill, I like to say. And when you're a lawyer, you don't realize <laughs> what kind of impact being a lawyer and not being happy has on your relationships, has on your relationship with your significant other or your spouse or partner, has on the relationship with your children and your family and, and your, your parents and everyone. It, it, it's so amazing when I left you know, my, my significant other, she was my law partner, right? I mean, and we had a contentious relationship for a long time because we worked together and, you know, we lived together. And once we both decided to leave, everything opened up. And I was a different person. You know, I, I was always stressed out for, well, for the majority of my practice until I found some really great techniques that I teach people. I just wasn't doing work that I actually loved. And when you start to do that work that you really are engaged with and that your heart's calling you to do, you become a different person. And we hear this time and time again from folks that leave law behind that have left. They tell me, you know, Adam, you were saying on some of the videos or on a consulting call that my relationships are going to change. And I just couldn't believe the difference that not only my health and everything else, I mean, that's major. But the, the relationship I had with my husband or my, my partner totally changed. And I have time for my kids. And, and you know, we had a, a guy leave that was in his mid-50s and his kids were grown. And um, Casey, tell us a little bit about Mike and, and what happened with him and what his kids were saying after he had left and found this dream job of his. Yeah, so Mike in Indiana left and he went from a criminal law practice, a, a, a lot of he did, he did a number of things in law, but criminal law practice primarily 20 plus years and went into uh, in-house operations, project management, kind of just right-hand right hand person for the, the C-suite trusted advisor handling a ton of things, going into the real estate development now for a medical services company in the Midwest. And he, older, four kids, they're on their own. And what he realized talking to them now was they said, after he left law, they said, Dad, we've never seen, we've known you how old, I'm 25, I'm 28, I'm 33. I've known you all my life, of course. I've never seen you this happy. And it sparked a conversation between him and his adult children now. And they are fortunately very aware and they're open. And he's created such a loving family over the years that they can have these talks. But they were open and they said, you know, when, and he realized when he was running his practice, when his kids were born and five and 10 and 15, he was grumpy guy. He didn't think he was, but he was tired. Everything you said, Elena, he was tired. He was burnt out. He didn't have time. He just needed some food. He just needed to zone out on TV. And, uh, and he was a great father as much as he could, but it was just really great to see 
his family at this stage in their lives connecting in the way that they did. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like one of the things I'm proudest of and will in doing well is I know this is going to have ripple benefits through generations. Effect, yeah. There's, there was, it really, yeah. through generations. I through mean, generations. you know, that yeah. just hit me. It really yeah. just hit me when you said that because, you know, a personality and a demeanor is someone said this, Adam, a speaker who does the quantum physics that you sent me, I forget his name, but he said this, you know, a, a, a mood is something that lasts for a few days. A personality, a demeanor lasts, I think, a few months. And a personality is something that lasts years, right? And so yeah. if you have a grumpy personality, your kids see it, they take it. I mean, we do something nowadays that our great, great, great grandparents did because it's been passed on. And as crazy That's as right. that seems, yeah. it is it is true. And I, Elena, I just love what you said, that we are literally nipping in the bud, these bad habits, these yeah. limiting beliefs. So great grandchildren down the road will not be, will, will hopefully have a more, a more positive life experience. I've never thought of it that way. Yes. Well, welcome, welcome to the, the impact party. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and Great. yeah, I mean, there was one, one member said she was dancing with her kid before preschool. This is before COVID in the kitchen, listening to the, you know, can't stop the feeling song from trolls. And her husband came into the room and he was like, who are you? It's a different person. This such a it. different, and, and, and many, many well members have talked about the impact that this has had on their relationships and their parenting and their friendships. Uh, another member said the other day, her best friend said to her, like, you're, you're back. Like you're here again. Yeah. And, and part of the challenge we have is, you know, when we get into law and then we realize we don't like it, we, we just stay stuck and we stay in this profession we don't like. And it's the norm. It's the, it's sadly the norm where it's like, we're kind of in a bad mood all the time and we're just never able to celebrate. And I remember going on vacations for the first 10 years of my practice and never like being able to relax. I, I, I could relax like day 10 and then the vacation was over. And it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I living like this? And, and why would I continue to live like this if it's just going to put me in a place where I'm not happy and it causes all of my relationships. And clearly my health was the biggest challenge, uh, being a lawyer. Right. But, right. Uh, and you're, and, and you don't, when you don't have to, and that's, but it's, it's, is again, back to that thing, shifting the thinking is like, you don't have to, but people think they have to, people think I have to do this. I have to pay off my loans. I have, this is the only choice. People have this story that they're going to leave law money, big law money and go to $0. Yeah. Right. Casey is that guy who went to be the right-hand person. Is he making $0? No, he's probably making a nice six-figure income, right? So that's, that's, that's part of it. Adam, you, you got to take a vacation. In big law, people are not taking vacations. No, no, people no. do not. They're expected to cancel vacations. No. And that was one of the hinge points for that kind of my, my one of the clients who really helped fall the dominoes. You know, was she, she was European. Every time she would try and go home for a visit, her firm would ask her to cancel the visit. Or if she took the vacation, it was her father's 60th birthday party. She wanted to go home, be there at the party, right? And then word on the street was that she left them in the lurch. <laughs> of course, she'd taken care of everything beforehand. Yeah. And people are just exhausted because there is no off. They no, there's not. And, and then when they do go on vacation, they've got their phones, they're having to check in, they're having to take calls. I have seen hundreds of lawyers when I've been out and about on vacations. I don't know, you know, lawyers gravitate to lawyers and, 
and I'll, I'll see somebody talking on the phone and I, aren't you on vacation? Yeah, but I'm a lawyer and you can never take vacations. And, and, and to a certain extent, my, my partner uh, and I, this is what we, we would go on cruises just specifically for, they couldn't get you on the phone, but then you'd have to go and go online back in the day with, with ships, you'd have to go down to their computers or whatever and log in and check your email five or 10 times a day. Cause God knows, you know, somebody needs to get a hold of you. And if they can't, the world's going to come to an end. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, I do real estate law. Nothing's going to come to an end. And you just can't leave it at work, which we hear time and time again from people that leave. I go home and I don't think about work. I can take weekends and my phone is off or I never have to check in, go to work, you do your work and you have a life, which is what we want for everybody, right? This is you know. why we're in the business we're, we're in. Exactly. And what I hear to that, I'd love, Elena, your thoughts, but you know, Adam and I hear this and leave all behind, or at least I, it's a subconscious is I'd love to be able to take off. I'd love to be able to take the vacation. I want out. I want out. I think one of the limiting beliefs that folks have is around identity and stature and particularly with, with big law where great, I want vacation. I'll go to a non-law job. I get to see my kids, but then there's that moment of, am I still important? Am I still needed? Do I have the title? Uh, when I go out somewhere, uh, will I have the stature? Will I have it? And one is yes. There are many, I'll, I'll answer it, Elena. I'd love your thoughts. My answers to it are, one is yes. There are a lot of titles and roles out there that have in a non-law world that have a ton of stature. But two, it's really about what's important to you and really quieting the mind, doing that mindfulness to realize the value and the stature and all that in, God forbid, something else in being with your kids in taking vacation. But I, I'm wondering like what you see, particularly with folks with big law, big name, a lot of stature there. How have some of your clients overcome that need to be aligned with the with the big law firm, even with all of the stress and anxiety that comes with it? What I hear and and what I share with people is what I see with a lot of lawyers is black and white thinking. It's either or. And so what I try and help people see is it's both and instead of either or both and. So you're a lawyer and you're a writer or you're doing writing or you're a lawyer and you're trying this new thing out. You, you never have to give up that identity of being a lawyer, right? And Casey, I've heard you say this too. You maintain your bar status, you maintain your JD, right? Because you, because you want to, you never have to give that up. It is, it is part of you and let's honor it and let's leverage it. And uh, it doesn't have to define, be the only part of you that gets to be expressed through your work in the world. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. Well, let's wrap this up. We don't want to get people to the point where they're ready to take a nap after all this amazing information. But uh, Elena, thank you so much. You can reach Elena at www.womeninterestedinleavinglaw.com. And we want to just totally thank you for being here. We appreciate your input. We appreciate the work you're doing in the world. Uh, you're going to be part of our various law summits. And so we're excited about that too. So appreciate I'm you. I'm so excited. Thank you, Adam and Casey, so much for having me in this. I was, I'm still, I'm still enjoying the conversation. <laughs> so thank you so much. I was looking forward to it and I'm still relishing having had this chance. Thank you. Well, hopefully it was everything you, you wanted it to be, but I think we'll probably have you back on down the road for some of the other questions that we didn't get to ask you today. But uh, 
You blew my mind on a number of things there. I wrote down some, some really great ways to look at things. So really, I learned a ton here. So really appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us and uh, have a great day.